Hello and welcome to the Hockey Hurts podcast for March 12th of 2021. I'm Ryan Wilson, Penguins writer for HockeyBuzz.com. I'm Cameron Walsh from HockeyHeads.com. Welcome to the podcast for this week. Big news in the NHL. We have ESPN getting back into the NHL game. Uh, that is enormous for the sport, and we'll talk all about that. Uh, the NHL not necessarily leaving behind NBC, but NBC is no longer the primary uh, carrier for the NHL games, which is a big shift considering uh, NBC has carried the torch for pretty much the entire salary cap era so about 15 years big change we're going to talk about the surging pittsburgh penguins who in march are going to be playing a ton of games season could have went south very easily it's kind of gone the opposite looks pretty good right now uh, when you look at the games and the points they banked versus uh the upcoming games and, and who they are against Things are looking good in Penguins land. And lastly, we have some listener-submitted questions, and we will get to those as well. So lots to get through, so we're going to dive in. ESPN, uh, I knew ESPN was going to get back into the NHL. That was kind of the, the rumblings heading into these negotiations. Uh, I never really thought they would be the primary network and i'm pleasantly surprised so um cam obviously you're in a unique situation where you, you don't necessarily um have the same identical tv offerings given the uh, the the international aspect of things but you certainly have access to espn and you certainly have uh previous experiences there what does this mean for you just better coverage like the the thing the thing for me with obviously the nbc deal running for as long as it has is they just got stale right so it's just one of those things where hopefully espn can bring their flair um can bring a push to analytics i suppose in coverage for the national broadcasts and that might drag excuse me it might drag nbc along um i just want to hear new voices covering the games and i don't know how that'll that'll happen because they could just grab some of the people that are covering from nbc if they want to be lazy with it uh you know sort of but not really if nbc gets the other parts of the package I don't think that you would, would you would think that yes you would think they would separate them i, I agree with you i swear to fucking god aspect. you better be wrong about it because i'm not going to fucking tolerate pierre mcguire on espn yes. <laughs> okay yeah i'm not I know. doing no, no, any no, of that bullshit yeah no i is I, pierre I, still on tsn i look, i don't because if and he is tsn's kind of espn connected oh god so the, the thing the done. thing for me the thing for me with it is it's like obviously because i just use the the online package i can pick either broadcast so either the home or the away broadcast and when it's a national game usually there's the other broadcast there's usually a second broadcast to watch so it's either away or the home i can't remember right so there's usually that other broadcast that you can watch and if you get a team that 
does do some of the analytics because some of the teams do, like the Carolina Hurricanes do put the analytics stuff up. You prefer to watch that as opposed to whatever the national broadcast is. So that might stop me from, from doing that. But it would be wanting new voices, wanting a new direction in regards to the production and the production value of how they're presenting the sport. And I don't know, uh, ESPN going to bring back, you know, Boutergrass, not that I really want him. Well, we'll, we'll get into the negatives, and certainly uh, you just but brought what, up one of them as far as what, I'm yes, But what I mean, though, is shows like that on their platform. Like, to me, you've got to have those shows littered in with their baseball, yes. uh, football, and basketball talking heads shows. Otherwise, the sport doesn't accidentally pop into someone's consciousness. Now... Whether or not you think the TV coverage is going to expand the reach of the sport, you know, that's a yes or a no sort of a coin toss. I, idea. I happen to think it will. If, if that's the case, that's that's how they're going to do it. Just having the games on at 7pm on a particular channel on all those ESPN channels isn't really going to draw them in. Like, you need to have, you know, in between some of those really crazy-ass... What's the one that Stephen A. Smith is on? I don't know the name of it, but... Just who who gives a shit what the name of the show is? Stephen A. Smith tweeted yesterday talking about if, hockey. Now I I don't seek out yes. Stephen A. Smith for for even non hockey stuff. He can do his thing. I'm good with that. Like people love that shit. I'm I, I'm just not in that boat. But he's gonna start talking about hockey. That's huge. Yes. ESPN and the other th- has such a wide reach, and it's and it's their programs like NHL Tonight will be back. So. You know, you got uh, NFL Primetime, you've got Baseball Tonight, you've got all those shows. And NHL Tonight is going to come back. And you talked about Stephen A. Smith and those debate shows. Well, they never covered hockey because they never had the rights. And I'm not, like, I'm not going to be watching them. But people are going to start watching hockey because they're going to start babbling about hockey. Yeah, and that's only going to help the bottom line. Now, you can be a gatekeeper and a snob about it. Uh, they don't know what the fuck they're talking about. Like, of course not. It's not about that. Though. <laughs> it's it's, not it's about fine. That. There, there'll be other out. There'll be other avenues for a more seasoned fan. And you know, we'll we and others will go to those ones. But as far as an entry level. ESPN is going to clobber NBC in its reach. It's not even going to be close. ESPN, uh, for all its faults over the years, um, dominates. It still dominates the the sports discussion scene. And the other thing, and I, you know, we just, you, you brought it up and I mentioned Stephen A. Smith is an example. Just the wide social media reach. Think about all the ESPN accounts that are going to be tweeting about hockey now. You're not going to be so able to avoid the sport anymore. So the other thing with that is we may get Wyshynski on TV, <laughs> but ignoring that as a sidebar, um, who's the who's the John Clayton of hockey on ESPN? Right like, now? Who are th- um, yeah. Gosh. Um, like, who are it there it, it in- used to be Pierre Lebrun. 
Yeah, but like he's TSN now, right? Now, did you say TSN and ESPN have a commercial relationship? Like, I don't know. That's why I'm asking the queue. I always thought they did. I don't know if yeah. that's changed over the years, but um. So my hope there is that maybe we get a new well, Bob. Ma- well, voice. Bob McKenzie's TSN. I know he's doing work yes. for NBC, but if ESPN TSN still are kind of sister companies, I mean, you could do a lot worse than. Bob yeah. fucking McKenzie and by do a lot worse, it's because he's on the God tier. Well, he is, the, he is the Bob father. Shit. Exactly right. <laughs> the Bob father. Uh, but Bob, he honestly, he's, he's looking to retire. He's actually winding down. So they're going to have to have, um, even if Bob was an option, they're going to have to find another option. Cause... So I suppose I suppose the thing for me is I think one of the reasons I'm so excited about this, and I don't know about you, I mean, you and I are close enough to the same age that we watch the same era, is the voices nostalgically that, you know, I kind of hope get back on the coverage. Like, I would I, mean... I would love to hear Gary, Gary Thorne. I would love to have Steve Levy hosting. Um, you know, Bill Clement just retired, which really sucks. But I that think they been reached a nice out one. to him, and he kind of said maybe. Yeah, so, so it's one of those things. Where, so for us, it would be great to hear those voices cover the game again, as long as they haven't lost a step. Particularly the guys that are calling the game. So not the not the special comments guys, but the guys calling the game. Hockey's one of those sports where you got to you have your fastball. Yeah, as soon as you've lost your fastball, you're kind of toast in hockey, and and that's tough. And I don't want. I don't know. I I still listened to Bob Cole in the later years and was just fine. Nah, I nah, I couldn't. I could not do it. It it made. I I would watch the other coverage. Really? Yeah, that's how much it drove me nuts. Listen, Gary Thorne is seventy-three. That's that pains pains me to say it. However, Gary hasn't been sitting around. He's been broadcasting a lot of shitty Oreo games, okay? I know. Yeah, I'm an Oreo fan. It's baseball. Fan. I'm an Oreo fan. It's baseball, fan. man. It is baseball. But it's listen, the slowest sport on the planet. Don't hear me out. <laughs> hear me out. It is baseball. It is, a slow, it is the slowest game on the planet. But the Orioles suck so bad, the games are usually out of contention. He has to fill a lot of time. Yeah. His mind is I'll working. I'll give you that. Um, yeah. You know, <laughs> listen, listen it, to us try and shoehorn him in. <laughs> I'm not shoehorning shit because he fits in like a glove, and god damn it, I will be so disappointed if I don't get Gary <laughs> fucking Thorne on the ESPN broadcast. I will be devastated. And look, if he, look, oh, you know that I'm on board, right? I just, what I don't want to have happen is that it, it be a, a, bad technical year for him, and that's sort of the, well, we had to let him go because he wasn't quite up to snuff, which I doubt. But that's sort of my fear on that. That's all. I don't think Gary would strikes me as the kind of person that would throw his hat in the ring, which, by the way, in an athletic article, he said he was open to it. Um, I do not think he would throw his hat into the ring if he thought that he was a dud. I think, he, I think he would have yeah. some you know, personal respect and... That well, kind of yeah, thing. professional, just professional respect to go, I have a standard I want to upkeep. So that's perfect. That's great to hear. And nothing would make me happier than to have a few Crosby Malkin highlights voiced by Gary Thorne to connect the eras. I mean, obviously Mike Lang is the constant through all of it, but that's unique to Pittsburgh. But growing up here in Rochester, New York, this was pre 
you know, modern cable. So yeah. I lived in New York. I was lucky. And the reason, the big reason I became a Penguins fan, they had something called Sports Channel. And that was the New York City, New Jersey Sports Channel. And I got it because I was in New York. Well, the Penguins were in that division. So you got to see all the Islanders, Rangers, Devils, Penguins games. That's a lot of hockey on a, at a network team. Which, for, you know, the 90s, that's you're doing good. Yeah. So... Complementing that, ESPN picked up so many Penguin games for obvious reasons. Mario fucking Lemieux and Yamir Yager. Like, give me a break. And Gary Thorne is the soundtrack to so many of my childhood awesome Penguin memories. Uh, even more so than Mike Lang because I was out of market. I didn't get Pittsburgh stuff. I got what ESPN and New York City, New Jersey gave me. And so Gary Thorne, um, and and I'm not saying he's better than Mike Lang or vice versa. I'm just saying for me, like my Penguin soundtrack um, could have been worse. Put it that way. Yeah. Gary, man, get the fuck out of here. He's a legend. And, you know, Doc Emmerich, really good. And I know, you know, he's not everybody's uh, cup of tea. And even at times I was like, oh, you know, you don't have to. Let, let's let's put Waffle Board on the back burner for a second. Um, oh, paraphernalia? And, you know, and but, but Doc's amazing at what he did. Like, I totally respect. Like, he, he's an all-time great as well. But um, announcing is subjective. And my yes. subjective opinion is I love Gary Thorne. So that's probably what I'm most excited for. And again, I'd be very disappointed if that didn't happen. No, I agree. Now. But that that's a nostalgia thing. That's it like, is. It, yeah. But I also think he's objectively good. Like he's he's a good to great broadcaster even aside from attaching it to nostalgia and childhood memories like he he was a lead major network broadcaster for a reason. Yes, that's exactly right. He was good at what he does, and uh, to have that again across the sport for even just a couple of years would be fantastic. And for my high school hockey, um, on our bus trips, uh, we had a lot of. Uh, we were fortunate. We had a lot of like Bluebird, uh, non-school bus, like the nice buses with the TVs on them. Road trips. We had like four or five of those a year, and. Our hockey coach had the VHS tape of the 1993 Maine Black Bears National Championship, and uh, that was when Paul Correa was a freshman and all that. We we would play that all the time, and who narrated it? None nah. other than <laughs> Gary Thorne. <laughs> Fair enough. So that that's even attached to more great memories. So um, I'm it's it's low hanging fruit for. I'm the low-hanging fruit for this. Yes. Um, so that's, you know, that's just one aspect of this. The other aspect, and this is one that might impact you uh, more than any of the other aspects, and I think this is going to be a great move. NHL TV is dead. It's gone. They are rolling the entire NHL center ice package or whatever you want to call it, the uh, the digital one into ESPN plus 
Hey, I'll be able to get that. Yes. So even I assume internationally, like that, that's going to be good. ESPN Plus. ESPN's not going to accept a mid-range or below-average product. The streaming service is going to get better. And NHL TV from I I have only I only got it one year, and it was the lockout year. And I I hate that I have to specify which lockout year. Um, <laughs> Twenty twelve thirteen when we started yeah. hockey hurts um, was the only year because they gave it half off, and I hated it. It sucked. And I know yeah. that's seven years ago, and the internet is way better now, but. Listen, Corey Schneider, who does all the tracking, right? He's watching more hockey than anybody. And I just see his tweets bitching about how he can't get the games or they're not working. Same commercial is playing all the time. Like, I hope for Corey's sake this ESPN <laughs> Plus lets him go back to previous games from other days, has an archive streams properly and espn attaching their name to it i'm confident that it will be better do you do you remember when we came out of i think it was the first lockout they had the nhl archive just if you had the the package that i've had ever since i could watch any 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 game. game but they took it away right yeah and i'm like why it's like there was a, there's a there was another feature they used to have when they first brought it up and got it going again was I could decide to listen to either the radio or the TV broadcast yes. watching it. Mike Lane. And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, why? What is? Why do you stand on your own dick? I don't understand how that works. Well, you'd have to be well so, endowed first. Well, yeah. <laughs> Good point. You know what I'm saying, though. <laughs> I know. I know. It's crazy. They had some really cool features and took them away. Oh, it's just, oh, it's just baffling. I, it's just, you sit there with it, and it's like, like this deal isn't going to fix those problems, but it may allow old games to be on. Like I've got downloads of ESPN classic games or classic series from back in the Lemieux Jaeger era. Right, because and I'll whack them on every now and then because they run for about an hour, an hour and a half, and I can have them oh, on in the background while I'm doing stuff. Yeah, right. So I've I've downloaded those off the internet, so I've got them, and it's like they could do they could do those now for like that 2009 Cats Penguin series is perfect for that seven game series. Games were freaking unbelievable. There were hat tricks, everything in there, like all those sorts of things. That's a perfect NHL classic series. And ESPN have got the rights now to be able to do that again. Yeah. It, I don't know if, if ESPN Plus will go that route, but it'd be cool if they did. But at least the service will like function properly. That does help. That is kind of essential. Like That's huge. I, uh, I, and that's why I'm bringing it up and talking about it is the NHL is leaving behind their self-contained digital property and giving it to ESPN as part of this. That That is not a small thing. You're talking about thousands of games under the ESPN umbrella. And the ESPN Plus subscription 
at least in the United States, you can roll that in with Disney Plus for like 14 or 15 bucks a month. Perhaps I'm wrong on that. But it's relatively low. I don't know if they'll raise the price or create a different tier. We'll have to see. But that's a, not a bad entry point to get all hockey. You'll, yeah, you will like get more subscribers. A, yeah, yeah, purely based around idiots like us. Hockey has a loyal following that will yeah. flock to that. And, Correct. Um, so that's pretty big. Uh, ESPN's going to broadcast four of the next, starting next year, four of the next seven Stanley Cup finals, as well as really? half of the playoffs. I dokey. No, this is a le- this that. is legit package. Like this is not. Yeah. Now NBC, assuming NBC is the the who's picking up the the other part, will still have three of the next seven. They will still have half of the playoffs. But as far as the national broadcast games, the majority of them will be on ESPN. And you got the ESPN Plus that we just talked about. And, of course, the the crown jewel being the NHL Stanley Cup Final. So ESPN is all in on this. And, you know, they paid for it. NBC's deal was $200 million per year. And the NHL, unfortunately, signed that deal right before the boom in TV right packages. Like, it was a horribly timed deal, and they did it for 10 years, and they probably kicked themselves in the ass the last six years of it. But that comes down to conservative owners just wanting to have guaranteed money. It was also bad timing. No, it it absolutely was, but more so the length of the deal. Yeah, you didn't have to go going, You did not have yeah, to Yeah, and that was literally going, okay, that's that's controlled income. We know what's going on with that. We're good there. And then we'll just try and increase hockey-related revenue elsewhere. So, I guess it, it gives them more flexibility. I believe it is a seven-year deal. So, not as long as the 10, obviously. But the... It, NBC gave two hundred million a year. ESPN's giving four hundred million, so they're doubling up. And whereas NBC was the only supplier before, ESPN's just part of this. It is the main part. But not only did they double their money, NBC still got to pay them or whoever. Yeah. So not bad. Not bad. I saw a tweet and I thought it was very apt actually about Batman. He may get booed at all the games, but he has managed to move the sport forward and this is a big step towards the end of his time as commissioner. He's a vampire. It's not the end of his time. He's going to keep going. Well, it took David Stern forever to retire, so you're probably not wrong. They're cut from the same And he was Stern's understudy. Yeah. So, you know, I personally think this deal's overwhelmingly good. Um, is it perfect? No. And you mentioned the name earlier. And <laughs> listen, it's going to be harder. It's going to be harder for people like me to avoid John Bouchergross, who's 
just insane middle school lunch table babble fucking it's he's a fucking loser i'm sorry i just i i don't know i don't know what shifted him to that because like when i was getting to watch so like when we got he's a professional uh, in this like he's he's not untalented as a sports center anchor or any of it but he for whatever reason in hockey like he's he's the worst i don't know how else the to thing, say it. the thing that i don't understand is it's like why is it that he chooses to use a ridiculous vocabulary for hockey but none of the other three sports like what what shifted in his delivery or his decision to how he wants to deliver his cuz he's style? a 50 year old who's a middle school kid Cause like I, we got, and we still do in Australia. Like we have like uh, Foxtel as a as our cable um, distributor, and like we had ESPN back when I was you know watching Review and Jaeger play, and he he wasn't like that back then. I don't know. So he, he found at his, some his, point, his stupid shtick, and you know it. It caught on with a certain faction. But even going um, beyond that, like, you know, we've had to tolerate Pierre for his own bullshit forever. This is a different kind of bullshit. Um, Quite frankly, I think I'd rather have Butchergrass bullshit than Pierre. Yes, I'm so glad you didn't say the other way then, because he's not in-game. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a huge thing. But he, but he was in game when they covered college hockey, and he was bad at that. And I hope they don't do that. Um, but I, I hate giving him a platform, a larger platform. Um, now that ESPN is back at hockey, because I'm going to be honest, he's a fucking dinosaur, much like Pierre. He is anti-analytics. He's, you know. He's not going to push the sport forward. He's, he's he is going to be one of those uh, knuckle draggers who does not. He's going to do his stupid silly dangle stand or I don't even fucking know. Um, he's going to do all I that suppose. bullshit, and he's going to poo poo expected goals for at least. You know, I haven't followed him in a while. But he was always, you know, pushing back against, like, even basic analytics stuff. And it's not, I don't need, like, war stats thrown out there on the broadcast left and right. But uh, thumbing your nose at him, actively thumbing your nose at the stuff, um, I don't think he's going to be good as a big voice. And I hope... And I really hope, and, and listen, I, I do listen to Puck Soup. Uh, I do subscribe to their Patreon. Um, I think Greg Wyszynski does a really great job of selling the sport of hockey. I think he's entertaining. I do not agree with all of his takes. In fact, I find myself disagreeing with him, you know, not a significant amount of times, but, like, enough, like a sizable chunk, like, I think the episode this week he's making excuses for Tom Wilson, and I'm just 
I'm trying to drive down the road, and it's tough to do when your eyes are rolling in the back of your fucking head. But <laughs> How are you supposed to see where you're going? <laughs> <laughs> but I really hope they lean into Greg and not John, but I don't have, I'm not confident that they will. They should, because they, my logic to that would be, uh, Mashinsky's been over there now for a couple of years, right? Since he left Yahoo. Yeah, he's been there and a sizable time. Yeah, so my, I do, because these guys always think long-term in regards to what they want to do, I do wonder if they had this whole idea planned for quite some time to get back into hockey, and... I think Yahoo's been on the downswing, though. It has, and Wyshynski jumped off at the right time, don't get me wrong, but I just wonder whether they wanted him ensconced in their roster of people to not just say, hey, we've just dragged this ring in from nowhere. So I'm hoping that they do lean in on him to... Because he's their he's the lead editor Greg, right on their online hockey. Yeah, Greg, you know, is accepting to analytics. Greg is willing to listen to it. He doesn't always maybe go uh, agree with everything on it, and that's fine. I have no problem with skepticism. I, I just like, He's open like to it, fact, and he will promote yeah. the conversation, whereas I don't think Bouchergrass will. I really don't. The, the thing for me with Wyshynski, though, is that, you know, I got introduced to him from the Marek versus Wyshynski podcast. That's where I first knew of his existence. And the thing that I did like about that podcast is that those two men didn't really agree with each other. I don't know. Maybe it was 50-50. And that was why the show worked, because it was two people looking at the sport from two very different view, points of view sometimes. And it was great, because you could sort of get your brain to wrap around one idea in a 360-degree view. And, I, and I, I, I enjoyed that. And having him on there and to get to hear him more now um, with the views that I definitely know that I don't agree with everything he says, that's, that's good. That's fine. That, that's, a good, that's a good thing. Listening to things that you always agree with people is not good. You need to listen to things that you don't agree with just so you might look at something a little bit different. I think Greg and brings that. Bu- yes, that's exactly right. Whereas Butchercross doesn't bring that for you. He doesn't give you a reason as regards to why he thinks stat X is bad. Right? At least Wyshynski will give you a reason for that. I mean, Butchergrass is going to play to the seventh grade lunch table in Buffalo, New York. Now, that might bring some fans in. It won't. So that's fine. <laughs> well, see, the thing with that is, though, it's like, are all those kids into. Like, because you're right, he's, he's like knuckle dragger on the stats, right? So if he gets there and poo poos them all the time. Is that going to stop, like, have a young kid watch the sport on ESPN, see him there, and go, his language is childish, he thinks that's idiotic, I'm not going to bother watching him. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, is that language going to get the the 6 to 12-year-olds watching the sport, or is it going to make them run away? I don't know. And you're going to have a better idea of that than me, because you live in the country. I think the 6 to 12-year-olds interested in hockey are going to be interested in hockey regardless of of him personally but as an adult i, I oh god yeah but that's the thing you and, and i, and I so haven't even brought up sport. barry melrose well that's terrifying in itself i used to even love barry back the... as a kid but you don't know any better as a kid well you kind of just answered my question you don't know yeah any better i suppose as you're kid. making the point 
I just made your point. So, yeah, and I, I mean that, that's the thing. As you grow up as an adult, you might walk away from what Butchergross provides. It's just one of those things where you know you and I are going to have to <laughs> swallow some sh- shitty salt water to you know I, get the sport moving forward. A few years back, I had a, a good friend um, had a wedding in Lake George, which is a, a, a not too far from Glens Falls, where where Barry Melrose lives. And uh, we were at the hotel bar, and these people that were at the bar we started talking to, you know, figured out we liked hockey, and they were the one guy was personal friends with Barry Melrose. And I had, I just had to, I had to bite, <laughs> I had to bite my, like I wasn't gonna get into it. And Barry Melrose is one of the smartest hockey people ever. Blah 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 blah. blah. <laughs> And I'm like, yeah, 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 bubblegum, <laughs> mullet, 93 finals, Wayne Gretzky, yep, got it. I wanted to be like, yeah, well, uh, Tampa Bay, Steven Stamkos, <laughs> but, yeah. you know, I uh, my better judgment prevailed, and uh, eventually uh, he stopped talking about Barry Melrose, and we had a good time, but... <laughs> You know, it was like Jesus good thing you were good thing you were twelve or thirteen beers. I was. That was the impressive part. Oh, you've done very well. You've done very well. My friend, my friend looked at me and laughed. He's like, "You're doing good, Willie. You're doing good." <laughs> so, I mean, that's um, that's you know, ESPN's back. It's it's um, it's really good. Overall, even though we just shit on parts of it. Uh, but last but not least, of course, the theme is back. And that is legendary. And uh, I wanted to I wanted to have it up and play it. And I went, oh, no, that could copyright infringement while we're on the internet. Oh, I don't even know. <laughs> yeah, you, you might be right. But um, that theme is amazing. And... It's going to be uh, goosebumps, nostalgia, uh, into the veins when that first comes back, and it'll be really cool. So, um, so that's that's ESPN. Unless you got uh, something else that we might have uh, left out. No, 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 no. That's 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 everything. I think it's everything. Um, yeah. If it's not, fuck it. We tried, and. Um, <laughs> So now, Pittsburgh, um, things are looking good. They had three games against the Flyers, one of which Crosby didn't even play the first one because of COVID uh, precautions. Not that he had it, but he had to be held out. Uh, they went 2-1 and one against the Flyers, which was excellent because they were, gosh, were they two points down or four points down? And the Flyers had two games in hand. So to make up the two points there by going 2-1 and one was huge. They actually won the game. Sid was out. They get the Rangers back-to-back. They they beat them twice. And they, they had the Buffalo Sabres last night. And while, yes, of course, like, Sabres suck, you still got to go and win the game. Because the Sabres aren't going to lose every game the rest of the year. You don't want to be the team no. that gives them a win, especially with Jack Eichel out. And they won 5-2. to two. So they went 5-1. and one. 
to start off this March stretch of hockey, they're in a good spot. And I, um, you know, I, I wrote and I've said this month could go either way. And so far, I think it's gone really great. And the- theoretically, like they've got a lot of buffalo in the second half of the month, right? Theoretically, they've got through the harder part of the month. Yeah, their upcoming schedule is great. They got another one against the Sabers coming up. Um, ton of games against the the Devils. It. You know, they've played a, a bunch against the Islanders and the Flyers and the Capitals. They still have a chunk against the Bruins, but even Boston has slipped a little bit. Uh, not saying they're a, a bad team. That's, of course, not true. But the lion's share is against the bottom of the division. And, you know, what more could you ask for? I mean, put it to this way: if they lose, if they win every game against the teams below them, and lose against the teams that are above them, just in the remaining games that are left, right? So what have they got? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. They've got ten games left, and of the of those games, they've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. No, there's eleven games. So they've got seven games against teams below them, and four above them you, if you just win and lose on that you're still in front at the end of the month yeah they're in a great spot i'm i'm impressed with what they've done considering like i know other teams obviously deal with injuries too but pittsburgh's navigated some defensive injuries brian dumelin coming back's been huge I know I wrote an article about maybe it's time to trade him. And Still trade him. Still trade uh, him. You know, it's an option. And I don't think they necessarily have to trade him. They certainly don't have to during this season. They could do it in the offseason all the same. But, but the point was, like, he has value. Yeah. But because he has value, he's playing and he's playing and it helps the team. Um the point was to use that value to bump the forward depth up and lean into the million left-handed defensemen that, that they already have. Um, so, you know, I'm not backtracking off of what I said in that article. I do think it's a conversation to be had because, you know, he's going to be 30. And when you look at the depth chart, where are you pulling from? Left defense. Well, who can get you the most? In my eyes, it would be Brian Dumoulin. Sure, shit ain't Mike Matheson. No. So, but he's been back, and they haven't traded him, and it's obviously helped the on-ice product. Who would have thought? Um, so that's helped. But I think uh, we talked before the podcast uh, that what has helped the, the absolute most if Genny Malkin has turned that corner, and I don't think he's looking back, he looks like himself again, even at the age of 34. Uh, he's on a six-game point streak. I think he has nine points during this point streak. And he's doing the thing. He's swooping in. He's on the puck. He's, uh, you, you know how I 
the <laughs> the moment in the game last night against the Sabers, where I'm like, yeah, Gino's back, is when he he weaved his way through the Buffalo defenders, got tripped, was horizontal to the ice, got the backhand shot off midair, and at the end of flying through the air, getting the shot off, yells over at the ref, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> Did you hear that on the broadcast? Or no. no. Sabres broadcast, no. it was clear as day. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> I'm like, go back and check that. I'm with you, Gino. <laughs> fucking. But you know he's in his groove when he's emotional. And I know people, um, you know, worry that he gets too emotional at times. But when he's in a groove, he's 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 all in, and he has been. And it does help. Uh, well, he's got a he's got a bat, he's got a rubber. He's Batman. Yeah. Yes, and you know, um, another criticism I'm not going to back away from is Rutherford paying a first round pick for Kasperi Kapanen was absurd given the market and how it played out. That is independent from Kapanen being a useful uh, forward on the roster. Complimentary player, yeah, absolutely. And a complimentary player that could be a full-time top six complimentary player, whereas, you know, with Toronto, it looked maybe a tweener, third line, second line kind of thing. Uh, He's been great. He's he has uh, been explosive and uh, he's really great off the rush. Like his speed is tremendous, and you know I think I saw Bob Grove tweet: Kapanen has scored four goals on his last eight shots. Obviously, he's not going to shoot fifty percent the uh, rest no. of the year. Um, but he's the kind of player that can really catch a hot streak and. If you got a person like Malkin who's feeling it again, you know, they can play into one another and, and propel this and keep it going. And I think right now it's it's a it's a great duo. And hopefully it's a long term great duo. Uh that would be really useful for the team. And I... go ahead. I was just to say, I find it interesting. I feel like Kapanen got Malkin going. You know how you know how back in the day it was always Crosby and Malkin just drove both their lines, just put everybody on their back, put two wingers on their back, and just took everyone with them, right? Well, the two of them are older now, and Malkin was struggling to get himself on the hop. We all know that. We all saw it. Kapanen got him going, and you just sit there and go, now that Gino is absolutely flying again, you just... I think you'll just see the pair of them skyrocket. Kapanen looks like a player now that believes he belongs on the team. Like, I think he knows he belongs in the NHL. I just don't think he felt like he fit. He looks like a guy now that is more than comfortable to carry the mail, do things on his own accord, and just know that he he has to be a part of what Malcolm's in. Like, he doesn't defer to Gino for the sake of deferring to him. Which is important because then everybody knows where the puck's going. And you know and what? Kapanen... And you know what helps? Him doing that is what leads to Malkin's goal last night, where the goalie has to buy into Kapanen being on an all-in break, and has yeah. to go to the blocker side because it, it, Kapanen came in on the left, 
and Kapanen just backhand dishes a pass over to the other side of the net. But the goalie has to respect that Kapanen is driving play, doing his own thing, because Kapanen very well could have taken the breakaway on his own. Correct. But because and of all these variables, Malkin gets an, uh, the wide open net. Yeah, and and that that to me is, is the important part. It's why Gensel and Crosby work so well. Gensel is a, a very good passer, um, but he is a shoot first kind of guy. He will he will look Crosby off. Gensel's everything. And, He's I love yes. I fucking but love how he, he has the he has the self confidence to look him off. And I think at the start of the year, Kapanen wasn't really sure he could do that in this roster, and he looks. Far more comfortable in his skin now, and it's it's nice to watch because you know watching Geno play is the closest thing we're ever going to get to see watching Mario Lemieux play again in a Penguins jersey. Stylistically, yeah, correct. That's what I mean. And you, it's always fun to 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 watch a player with those those skill sets because he he just makes the game look so simple. Um, Of course, Gensel looks Crosby off. He's got a fifteen point eight career shooting percentage. Sid's an absolute scrub at fourteen point five. <laughs> no, I honestly though the fifteen point eight is amazing, and it speaks to and and it's not like Gensel has like one of these overwhelming Ovechkin shots or anything like that. He's That's just true, cerebrally yeah. great at his uh, choosing his locations, and he executes. His accuracy is really good, and. You know, that, that power play goal where Sid down low from behind the net. Oh, wow. Look at that. Get him uh, off the don't. left circle. Just, just don't. <laughs> Sid behind the net with time on a power play. All eight eyeballs looking at him and not focused on what's behind him. The goalie can't see Sid, and he doesn't know what side it's coming from. That's That's hellish. And... Jake put it where it needed to be put, and he's an excellent shooter, and I hope they do more of that on the power play. I hope they – I think they should run more plays from below the goal line, and I hope they get some different movement and can come up with some uh, controlled set plays out of that. I think it would be really good for them. That has looked better lately, though. And if they leave Sid alone, maybe he lacrosse goals it. He's certainly capable. He did it when he was 17 for Ramuski. So <laughs> that's true. Maybe Sid will uh, show off his hands and uh, you know fight back that hockey culture bullshit. I think he's always been a slave to. Yeah. Um, you you are right that the team has looked a hell of a lot better uh, with the skating side of things. I think the improvement of Jerry precluded that, though. Yes. You can't win with eight-something goaltending. They didn't win with eight. Well, they won a little bit, which was kind of impressive. <laughs> yes, they were games that they had no right to win, and they did. Uh, so, yeah, I can't discount Tristan Jari. Um, especially, you know, he almost scored a goal last night. It went off a Sabres glove and then went wide, he got an assist on the play. So he's now tied in points with Mark Jankowski at three. (laughs) And he came closer to scoring a goal than Jankowski has in, like, 22 games. (laughs) 
So the the thing for me with Jerry is that I, I I really feel like him turning the corner happened before everything else kind of clicked into place, which makes me think that uh, as much as you know, hockey culture says don't throw your goaltender under the bus. Well, I think any team sport says don't throw somebody under the bus. I don't think the team felt particularly comfortable in front of him. And well, the coach team didn't. That, he started to Smith consecutive games. Yeah. But when you're on the ice, you and you've got, you know, attacking players that need to go and are going to make mistakes because that's a par for the course in regards to trying to create, you tend not to do that. Like, remember how this team looked like they just they could not score, right? There were games where they just they looked like they couldn't get anything on the go. And then whenever they did try to open up and they because they could never sort of get a lead, they'd end up down like two zip or something like that. They'd have to open up, and Jerry was letting in like that third goal. That's gone now. His his ability to have tightened up, I've no idea what changed for him or whatever. What about the end of that, that Rangers fr- game? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. He won that game in that context. Um, and you, you look at that, and it's like, the team looks so much more comfortable in what they're trying to do as an entire unit and it's amazing how different this team looks than what it was three weeks ago like, I don't think and those of you that listen to the podcast because I never listen back to what I say I don't think I poo-pooed the team's chances of making the playoffs but I certainly wasn't confident I thought you said they're the pieces playoffs. of shit who will never win another game again I could be wrong well, <laughs> I could have said that. I might have. I can't guarantee that I didn't. I don't listen back um, either, so. <laughs> <laughs> but you get what I'm saying. It's like, I certainly didn't have... Uh, I, not like every other year that since they've made the playoffs have I thought, oh yeah, they're going to make it the next year. They'll make it the This year is the first year in a while where I've, I've, I've felt unconfident This at this stage of this... like half. We're basically halfway through the year right now. So it would have been what a third of the way through the year when I was going. Well, I'm not really sure. You were rightfully. It looked like they had doing that though. So was I because the the goaltending, like the the roster itself had problems. Evgeny Malkin stunk. Chris Letang looked yeah. bad. Oh, by the way, Chris Letang's offense has flown through the roof. He's doing great again. And this was even before Dumoulin came back. That's only going to help. Yeah. So. I, we were both right to be like, uh, this could go south. So, so the the thing with that is that the the brilliance of youth for the three big guns was that they were unbelievable so consistently across an entire year. This is excuse me. This is a shortened season, so the ebbs and flows of confidence and hot streaks. Are condensed. Yep. Meaning you might go on a ten-game hot streak, and it means so much more because the season's short. I just pray that these guys don't hit a flat spot come game fifty-six and beyond. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like it can happen. It's just that as players get older, those things happen more frequently. These guys are over thirty. You know, in fact, they're thirty-three and thirty-four between the three of them. That that's the thing that that worries me now. After being worried about the complete construction of the roster and the fact that the goaltending was terrible, I am now worried that the team could 
get screwed over from the vagrancies of PDO. Oh, well, you know, that's that's the sport. It's fickle. You can't predict that part of it. Now. No. Well, the Avalanche are going through that right now. They are getting slaughtered via their PDO. Well, karma for the years back during WA when they stunk and they PDO'd their way to the playoffs. Mm. Um, that's true. So, as far as other stuff, like other pertinent um, Penguins-related stuff, we're gonna we're gonna lean into uh, some of our listener questions. Who, uh, uh, what what can they do for the roster moving forward? I've, uh, Jim Rutherford's not around anymore. Who, who would be active trading? We, we kind of don't know the tendencies of this Hextall Burke combo. I assume there'll be a trade, uh, maybe more. Who knows? I, I kind of doubt they'll stand pat. Do you do you think they would do nothing? No, they'll, they'll do something. Burke isn't. Burke's one of the more honest general managers. Yeah. And look, to be honest, that was that was the thing with with Rutherford as well. Like Burke gets there and says, if he says, "I'm going to do something to make sure we can win this this year," I absolutely believe him. Um. So. They're going to try and do something. The size of it will depend, one, obviously, on uh, uh, cap hit that moves in both directions um, and who's available to be taken because we are coming up to the deadline, aren't we? Is it the end of this month? I don't know. This year is so weird. Yeah. Um, um, I think it's April something. Yeah, okay. So it's really, really close to the end of the season. Um, so, yeah, for, for me, it's it's just like... Yes, I think he will be doing something. Uh, I can't see them sitting on their hands and going, as this team is currently constructed, I can see it getting through four rounds. Because as it's currently constructed, I can't see it getting through four rounds because the bottom six don't offer enough. I think the defensive group between the collection they have... uh, I'm not looking to upgrade the defense, put it that way. No, no. That, yes, I'm looking to I mean take comp- it, if anything. Yeah, they're competent enough that if you can improve the forwards, you're fine, right? Um, Latang makes that possible, and I, I think the ragtag collection they've got below that. Um, me saying that, that's the assumption that Dumoulin... That, yes, that Dumoulin's out, because I think that would be the, the sort of movable asset. Um, well, there's another one there that they want to, but yes... Yeah, so that's all. So I just I, I look at it in that context, and, and I think to myself, it's the it's the bottom six that needs to be improved. Now, whether or not that's getting yourself a top six forward and having the whole trickle down thing occur, or you just look for somebody to sort of slot into the bottom six, um, and then push you know the third liner down into the fourth liner to, to improve your depth that way, I. I you, what you don't want to do is, is go, shit, we've got no room. We're just going to have to trade for a bottom six forward. Like, as in a fourth line forward. Yeah, yeah. So you don't so, trade out Jankowski and replace him with a, a slightly better Jankowski, if that makes sense. I mean, I don't know how you couldn't pull that off. <laughs> how hard would you know, I know? Yeah. So here's yeah. what I'll do. We had um, a few questions that are all uh, kind of uh, similar in scope so jj underscore wayne underscore j at which point do you start considering teddy bluger as a third line center and target a top six winger and move zucker if healthy down 
with him for the trade deadline. So the point being trade a top six winger or trade for a top six winger and bump Zucker down with Bluger. Um, now I w- I'm going to, I'm going to kind of group a lot of these questions together right now. Heather underscore Vono. Uh, do you think there will be some roster moves to address that fourth line? So I think you just kind of said, you, you you don't want to directly address the fourth line. You want to push things down. And yes. uh, Dish138, is the next big acquisition for the Pens going to be a third-line center? If so, who is your guest? So I, I list these off in rapid fire because I think they're all interconnected. I have an answer to that. I have an answer to that. We'll get to that. <laughs> we will get to the, the, the Dish answer, and I, I tend to agree with you on I know where you're going with that. Now... Do you push Zucker down? You could, because guess what? Jared McCann, when he can actually like play hockey games, <laughs> looked fine with Malkin and Kapanen. So hypothetically, you could easily push Zucker down, and you you would have to get over the fascination with uh, Zar, Bluger, Tanev, which... I don't. I don't want to um, come too strong with criticism. I, mean, I I think that's a good line. I just don't think it's a good enough third line for a Stanley Cup contender. But it's an over the top good fourth line. Like it's in this weird zone of I don't really want that as a third line, but it's obviously too good to be a fourth line kind of deal. So with with that, is is your hesitation on that just in the back of your head the size of the cap hit across the line? No, it's um I, I know that Tanev has um he he has some good even strength scoring metrics as after scoring against Buffalo. I I just I watch him play and his speed's awesome. Like there's no denying that, and it creates some stuff, especially on the forecheck. But his offensive, um, he, he doesn't see, he, he's, he's kind of got tunnel vision at times, and his hands don't keep up with his, his speed. Feet, it's, yeah. it's like a Konstantin Koltsov situation. Tsar is fine. He's, he, he's, he's, he's more great positionally and cerebrally on how he attacks a forecheck. You know, there's not. I, I I think Teddy Bluger's um, the standout from a offensive skill standpoint. So I think yeah. he's 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 the one player I'd be comfortable thinking about as a third a classic. You know, when you classically speak about a third line, like I I think that they had a chance to see what they had in Bluger. As kind of a offensive center, I think uh, when obviously Sid missed the game. Did Malkin miss any time? I can't uh, recall. I don't think are he you has. talking about him. Are you talking about Malcolm? No, being phys- off, physically off the ice missing time. <laughs> no, Sorry. but I, I, don't, I, think, I don't think he has this year. I, I think Bluger has maybe some mild potential at holding down a third line spot. I think he's 26, and he's obviously um, playing like it. You, you see, um, you know, he's playing the best hockey of his career. That that falls in line with 
uh, how old he is and his experience. But it might be best to leave that as a fourth line. And if that's your fourth line, like a legitimately you push them down as a fourth line, and now you're cooking with fire with your offensive depth. You're a true yeah. contender if Malkin is yes. back. If that's if that's and your Zucker fourth line, can come back. That's the ideal situation. You throw that line to the Wolves. You give them no offensive zone starts. They've shown they can um, not drown in that kind of usage. You know, you're you're building towards a championship caliber team. Now, how do you push them down? Well, you got to make a trade and you got to acquire. So I agree with you. You need to probably go out and get a quote-unquote third-line center, even though Bluger might have the potential to be that. Why not get a guy that can, at least in previous years, through a long sample, <laughs> has shown he can do it. And would you like to mention, and I don't think this is a big uh, revelation to anybody, no. but the player that you are thinking of is... Uh, the brother of Jordan. <laughs> oh, Jared. Very good. He should come yeah. pretty cheap. <laughs> I would think so. Um, but yes, I think Eric Stoll would slot in there quite nicely. It's just that the year he's had in Buffalo terrifies me slightly because is it him falling off the cliff or is Buffalo. it everything? Or is it the Buffalo? I have offense? a yeah, Sabermetrics I, yes. tweet that I put in my blog. I God, today's been a long day. What, did I put that in the blog today? No, I think I did it yesterday. <laughs> um, so I'm going to find... While you're finding that, that it's just it's one of those things where we, we literally just said, find somebody to jump into the top six and then push people down the roster. If McCann comes in and takes over Rodriguez on that left wing, there's nowhere in that top six for Zucker to fit anyway. So you pop Zucker down onto the third line, you somehow acquire Eric Stahl, and then take your pick of who you want to sit on the other side of the ice on that line, and then you just fill, you know, you could fill that with somebody that you go, oh, that's probably a fourth liner, because, you know, coaches don't tend to like to split up lines that they go are clicking. So... I could see the third and the fourth line getting close to similar minutes as opposed to it being a distinct, you know, 12 minutes to eight minutes kind of scenario. All right. So, but you know, guys like Tanov and, and, and Aston Reese are going to make up their ice time in power, uh, in penalty kill time anyway. Yeah. And that's fine. Cause Tanov's obviously a defensive minded player. And I, I view Aston Reese through that scope as well. Now, I did find the tweet, and it was a uh, line graph from 0708 to the present season. It was using Evolving Wilds Gar per 60. And Eric Stahl's entire career has been positive. Okay? Goals above, above replacement per 60. Some of his best years, including Carolina, were his last four years in Minnesota. So the most recent sample... He's at 2.5, so 2.5 goals above um, replacement 
He's flirting almost at four, four, back down to about three. This year in Buffalo, he's he's negative like two point oh. You 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 can you can tell me his age. I know his age. I get it. But are we really pretending that Buffalo's not a complete fucking tire fire and that Taylor Hall can't score there, Jack Eichel can't score there, Jeff Skinner can't score there, who scored shitload of goals Every, everywhere. I think this is a classic fucking Buffalo poisoning. <laughs> and because of it, I think his values dropped. He's a classic yes. bounce back candidate. Like it's not even close. So um I I I I I get it with the age stuff. There's certainly potential. The chance is greater than zero that he's washed because he's um, is he 36 years old? Does that sound yeah, about right? Yeah, he's 36. There's yeah. certainly well, it, potential it, it, there. But I'm willing to, to take the bet that it's yep. Buffalo-related. And I talked about Eric Stahl being a really good fit, you know, before that he went well, to Buffalo. Well, when he went to Minnesota. And, or, yeah. or even, yeah, even it's been the last yeah. four years, of course. Yep. And... He never seemed attainable because he was happy in Minnesota. He had the no trade. And I think he got bamboozled because he put Buffalo. Like, why would Buffalo trade for me? He put all the contenders on there, I think. (laughs) He got moved there. And now that it sucks, he's probably just like, all right, just get me on a good team. And I do think the Penguins, especially with him, could be a very good team. And it provides that push-down impact. So... um, he can, you know, you keep that fourth line together for Pittsburgh. And that is as good of a fourth line as one could expect for any team in the league. So, so I how are no you problem. acquiring that? There's, okay, there's so, the hard part of the question. Buffalo. Sure, they got draft picks and whatnot. They're going to get another high draft pick. Here's, here's the issue with Pittsburgh's side of things. They do not have many draft picks this year. They do have a second-round pick, I believe. I don't think Ron Hextall is going to want to trade a second-round pick. I don't think he's going to want to move that for anything, especially for, uh, I believe, Stahl is a rental, technically speaking. And, you know, I get it. So they're in this weird price range where... They don't maybe because they have limited draft picks, they don't want to do that. They don't maybe feel like they want to move Poulin or Laguerre for a rental. I can understand that. Here's what might be viewed as an overpay, but I don't think it is for the overall big picture. I know we we talked Dumoulin, but Pedersen's always been the guy to move. Buffalo certainly could use help on the back end and get somebody like Marcus Pedersen. And you're probably like, why the hell am I going to trade a competent middle pairing guy um, for a rental? Well, it's because you don't want to sabotage your second round pick. You don't want to trade the prospects. If you can stay away from the futures and trade from the current roster, it seems you should want to go that route. If you want to balance this, win now rebuild situation and let's be honest 
Pierre Olivier Joseph makes it possible to do this. And you already have a million players playing left defense for the Penguins, and they all seem to make $4 million plus. It's not so much moving Marcus Pedersen just in a short-term move for Eric Stahl. Of course, Eric Stahl is a short-term move. But you're moving that $4 million for the long term. Yeah, well, you're getting that cap space. You're getting that cap space at the end of the year. That gives you some flexibility. And you you let Olivier Joseph bump into that. I'm not sure a second-round pick is, like, Buffalo's looking to impress Eichel now. Second-round pick, Jack Eichel could give a flying fuck about. Yeah. Jack Eichel could give a flying fuck about Sam Poulin or Nate Laguerre, let's be honest. Well, not just that. I still don't think he really give an F about Pedersen either, but we'll run with the theory that he might. No, but listen, I, yes. I'm not suggesting I know, that. I know He's exactly. Like, oh, Marcus yeah. Pedersen. Oh, shit. I know. But I couldn't help but poke it's, the bear. I'm looking at the, the Sabres roster. Like, Jake McCabe's out with a long-term injury. He's a left defenseman. You got Darlene. You put Pedersen in there. Behind Darlene, that's not bad. Pedersen can just it's blend death. in and give them NHL minutes. We are talking about a complete dog shit team. You are getting a competent NHL defender who won't embarrass himself. The Penguins are trading from an area of strength on their team, right? I would say surplus, not necessarily strength, but yes. <laughs> that's okay. That's that's fair. But but it is a surplus, so you're not really losing yes, absolutely. anything. Absolutely. And I did a little research today. So you always come with the numbers. I love it. I had uh, I had a few free moments today, and I knew we were recording. Uh, and you might see these numbers in a blog. So, from 2017 <laughs> to 2020, Eric Stahl's most common line mate. Who do you think? Hang on, what was the time 2017 frame? 2017 to 2020. Common line That's when he was Minnesota. in Minnesota. Oh, Zuka! There you go. 1,594 yeah. <laughs> 1, minutes at 5 on 5. Their Corsi 4 percentage together, 52.32. Their expected goals 4 percentage, 56.8. Eric Stahl's offensive output, 1.96 points per 60. Hey, that pushdown method. Have McCann play with Malkin and Kapanen. Gensel and Rust with Crosby, Zucker with Stahl, who have a large sample of success. So this seems too logical. Do you know what I mean? It's one of those things where it's like, yep, let's go make that happen. All the dominoes seem to be lined up to just knock over and roll away to have this be a success. Just something tells me that's not going to happen. Well, the odds are certainly against it because there's so many other outcomes, but... The odds are, I, I, they should be greater than zero. Penguins should be looking oh, at I, this, at least in my I opinion. I would fucking hope so. And <laughs> I think when you combine the previous sample of Zucker and Stahl, which by all accounts, very good, and you combine the, the, the shit stain of Buffalo on Eric Stahl, <laughs> like, it makes sense. Now, who's the right winger? Shit, man. Is it Evan Rodriguez? I don't even fucking know. 
I like no, no, but that's the thing. It doesn't matter. You just rotate through any of the bottom seven. Like you, you know, like that's the thing. You push it down. You could just you might end up with Bluger on the left wing. Like you know what I mean? Like if the bonus of pushing the depth down is that Jankowski is not on the ice for starters. Um, or or severe. Yeah, and you can rotate through those guys. Like, Evan Rodriguez is, I think... He's an NHL player. There you go. That's my point. And if he ends up on your fourth line because he outperforms the other guys that are in that bunch, then there's that, you know, quote-unquote lovely coaching term, healthy competition that should technically raise the level of play of those players in that spot. Right. Well, here you so, go. You want to put that's... Brandon Tanev on the right wing with Stahl and Zucker? Fine. I'm open to it. Put Rodriguez with Bluger and, and Zach Aston Reese. I'm open to that. That's fine. Yeah, that's, that flies for me because those players who are quite clearly going to have their minutes dropped, all of those players are penalty kill players. Right? They're all gonna they're all gonna catch their minutes up when Malkin gets a little too excited and gives up a a, a slashing penalty for snapping a stick on somebody's stick. That's usually when when what happens with Geno, and then they've got to go bust him out of a stupid offensive zone penalty. So they'll make their minutes up there because it, it's one of those things that worries me when these moves happen. Players get their their minutes drop because obviously they've dropped down the lineup and they get a little pouty. And I kind of get that. But when you're on a team like this and you going down the line... And, and supposedly creates... trying to win a... Legitimately win a Stanley Cup. It, I mean... That's my... That is my point. That's people are... That's people will I... buy into rolls way easier if they know there's a carrot at the end of the stick that they might actually eat. Yeah. And that's that's sort of where I'm, I'm at with that. And look, you know, like with this all sort of roll back to the start in regards to Burke... I kind of think he he is going to wheel and deal, and Eric Stahl's a good old Canadian boy, North American that fits Burke's mo. Yes, and it's one of those things where I think he pays attention to the numbers, even if he publicly doesn't, you know, cheerlead for them. And he's got Sam Ventura there, who has seen seems to be a person that converts the numbers into logic for general managers to understand. And a new hire. Um, somebody who... That's yes. With, um, yes. Uh, Katerina Wu, who's a new hire. She... Um, I, Sam's a mentor for the Hockey Graphs program, and uh, Katerina, I believe, worked with him directly in that. And I believe yeah, they I hit it that. off, and it wouldn't surprise me if Sam pushed for her to get hired, and she was. So you, you're adding to the team as far as, like, coming from that approach. Yeah. So, you know, I, I'm not going to pretend to know. Um, I, I'm not well-versed in her her specific strengths. It's, just, it's, another, it's another delivery point of numbers. And, and for me, I mean, you can always have too many chefs in the kitchen. That, that's always possible. But there's only fucking two of them there. And you've got to work out how to show and explain things to the general managers, to the coaches, and the players. And having someone that, that, that comes from that area that's worked with Sam and Sam's comfortable saying, you know, putting his reputation on the line here in the organization, I, I'm all for that. I reckon that's fantastic. 
So, I just, yeah, this looks too too logical of a step for hockey, if that makes sense. <laughs> so, I I think that covers um, those questions. I would think, I hope at so. least uh, philosophically, um, I'm of the mind that I think Eric Stahl makes a lot of sense for the push down effect that you talked about, and for all the reasons we just stated. So. Uh, I think we got one more that we have time for. I thought it was a good one. It has nothing to do with uh, the Penguins or anything like that. It's from Jeff Rose, who is at J-E-F-E-810. And he said, you have a magic ref's whistle that will always call one penalty correct all game, every game. All other calls are still inconsistent like now. <laughs> what penalty do you choose to be called correct every time? And I had two that came oh. into my head right away. And I was thinking um, one is obvious all the time. One is less so obvious, but I think more negative to the game. Do you have one that came to mind right away? I'm I'm trying I'm trying to think of it now, um, and I think the problem I have is that it's a generalization of calls that get missed, which breaks the rule of the question. That's the problem I. So have. maybe um, okay. So the the one I'm not going with that I thought about is cross checking because I'm just so sick of seeing a million cross checks on people when there's a board yeah. battle or in front of the net. Like that rule is pretty clearly written in the rule book and never called <laughs> and it's yeah. stupid now the real answer it's not just there it's the front of the net as the, well like, that's the, the absolute other. real answer and believe it or not the nhl actually did it in 2005 2006 out of the lockout call fucking interference Every goddamn time it happens, and the game will be wide the fuck open and fun to watch. The answer is interference. I'm not hearing any other answers. Boom. All right. So the thing that's interesting with that is I... So I think interference, interference is also obviously... kind of a catch-all. It is, because you know how I said my thought process was like a, a new... I, I, if you only got the one whistle, I'm like, what do I want to do? Do I want it to be hooking? Do I want it... Because hooking can be used in so many but different hooking ways. hooking can also be down. away from the play, which is... Interference. interference. Exactly. Like, that's... Yeah, and that's the thing. So I suppose... You made a really good point in regards to the cross-checking, the way it's written in the rule book, right? So do you need to reword... The interference no, rule. I don't think you do. Right. So, like you said, hooking away from the puck is literally interference, but in the way that hooking's declared in the rule book, it's hooking. So. But you can also call it because it's away from the play. Yes. And, and so this is a problem I have with this sport in general. defined as when a player uses his body, pick or block, to impede the progress of an opponent, non-puck carrier, with no effort to play the puck, maintain normal foot speed, or maintain established skating lane. Uh, using the body, I, I'm counting the stick as part of the body, yeah, to impede so the lose. progress yeah. of a non-puck carrier. 
There you go. Now I'm all for I'm all for the impede the progress of a non puck carrier. Like I know I think you're right. It, it would it would speak. The other thing on top of it is that the first twenty games of the season, the games would be four hours long because so many players would not adjust to the. They change. would adjust pretty quick. Two thousand five oh six was a great year. They adjusted. And what? Yes. And what would happen is that. The scoring would go up. Sorry, goalies. Um, but you would still you, you would, would still um, grade the goalies against the league average. Correct, which is fine. What also would happen is that the length of games would shorten because there'd be fewer penalties, or there'd be fewer stoppages purely or from the fact the games that... are longer, and you get to see some fucking power plays where skilled players have time and space. To do cool shit. I'm good with either. Yes, I know. But you, you think about it. Hockey games can get to like two and a half hours just on a 60-minute game, right? But NFL That's games are three time. hours. Baseball games are even fucking longer. We can do it. Yeah, I suppose so. I suppose I'm lucky. I actually watch a lot of games after they're played because obviously I'm working while they're on. So I do a lot of fast yeah, there you through go. the ads. Yeah, so I can get away with that. Um, so I'm sort of just doing a devil's advocate kind of thing on that. But yeah, I but, suppose... But even... Okay, so as uh, the catch-all for all this, I think it also applies to the shitty hits that Aston Reese made on Dylan Cousins the other night. Yeah, that was good. It was, but here's the thing. Puck's gone. It's interference. Yeah, true. You don't even Actually, have to so do the roughing or boarding. It's interference. Nah, so true. now you're eliminating so, late hits. You're eliminating all the impeding. I I mean, there it is. Uh, so two players lock up leaning. You know how you'll see two players going into the boards at the same time and they'll both lean into each other, right? And what shits me about that is that I've seen it more often this year than I did last year. One player is getting called for holding in that environment. Okay. Now, with this interference determination, I think it would remove that because you should be able to determine that both players have lent into each other. There, there, there should Therefore, be a, a five to ten yard lead up to the the battle to the puck. That battle should happen closer to the puck. Where they're they're engaging one another, they're engaging. Yeah. What I think you're saying is the pucks in the corner. They're kind of start engaging at the lower part of the faceoff circle in the zone, and they're pushing on each other till they get to the corner. Is that? Do I have that correct? That, you are correct. So it's like do you blow them both. You I go mean, four and four. Maybe I, I those battles uh, I'm less concerned about than. A lot of the other ones, but technically, no, that, hey, that, that, that's if you one want of those to blow battles. that play down and take both and do four on four, oh shit! I can't believe we're going to see more time and space for the better players. Like, okay, sign the thing me is up. though, yeah, like you said, I'm okay with that battle though, and I say that because both players have engaged. Now, if you have one player who leans first, the other one tries to go around rather than engage blow the one trying to initiate that contact right so i i think one this was a really awesome question yeah it was really but, good 
But two, I, I'm on board riding your coattails on interference. I, I, and the reason for that is when you read the rule out, there's no changing the interpretation of the rule. It's like we're not, there's no needing to reword it. It's, it's the officials actually just going, you know what? It says this, we need to maintain that standard so this sport can actually highlight the skills rather than, you know, as a, an old trope of, of mine and, and I think yours as well, the old clutch and grab back back in the 90s where the best players had to carry guys around the ice. And let's connect this to the entire large beginning section of the podcast. You are going to be reaching a lot of non-fans, casual fans. What do you think is going to keep their interest? Seeing these players and their bullshit interference tactics or watching Elias Pettersson and Jack Eichel and Austin fucking Matthews. Look at his goal last <laughs> night. Jesus Christ. He's got a yeah. bum wrist. His hands are second to none. Just get the fuck out of here. He's he's the man. And the, Connor McDavid, uh, still Sid and Gino. you got so much talent around the league. If you did this hypothetical, and thank you, Jeff Rose, for the question. Man. Talk about selling the game. 1994, hockey was had the momentum and basketball did not because of the Jordan retirement. And hockey dropped the ball and hasn't... Well, that's what happens when you lock it But up. they haven't recovered since. What an, what so an opportunity, I, though, right now to open the game up with the right TV partner. I think it's a perfect storm if they wanted to. We'll see. Treat it like coming out of yeah. the lockout when they implemented it. Get there and go, right, here's a chance for a fresh start on, you know, ESPN. It's a major deal. We want people to be excited about it. What needs to change on the ice for those random eyeballs to go, you know what, this was pretty fun. And allowing players to be creative is it. Now... You know, quite clearly, we've I've jumped all on board on your interference call thing. I don't care how the NHL does it. I just want them to yeah. do it. <laughs> you know, doesn't have to be like, you know, we're going to get there and make sure there's no interference. And so we're going to call every bit of contact away from the puck. You know, that would be great. That won't happen. It's it's not a matter of, of how, just that they do something to open it up. I would love for it to be like a 5.9 or a 6.5 goals average per game for the year. You know, if you're getting 4-2 games because it was an empty netter, that's fine. It would be better if they were 5-3 games with an empty netter. Yeah. So we'll, you know, if you can get that. Like the Vegas game we saw when they played <laughs> that was a great bloody team. Carolina. For many reasons. It was but... like rating goals. It was, well, yes. Um, I do have to. I have to watch that game. Again. I watched the highlights. It's crazy that um, Vegas came back. Right? It was Carolina that jumped yeah. out. There were. It, it was yeah. a at least six goals was the winner, and it went to a shootout. Yeah. And I, I flurry fucked us. Your... My brother bet. I'm like, he doesn't lose shootouts, and he did, and we lost the thing is the thing for me is that i blame your brother for the fact i don't remember a lot of <laughs> yeah we went to a bills bar 
and I'm drinking some whatever the hell buffalo drip beverage this is. I'm like, what is this? Shit, what was it? Well, you you we know. gave you Either a bad blue, which is obviously a, a a Canadian Western New York favorite. But he he was giving you a, a liquor drink of some sort. I'll have to ask him what it yes. was. Yes. Now the thing on top of that though is that you and I managed to polish off a bottle of something whilst we recorded the unrecorded podcast as well in between that and going to the game. So yes, Vegas, we didn't casino Vegas, but we Vegas to Vegas in hockey. Our yeah. I literally did not do one slot machine or gamble the entire time I was there, <laughs> uh, which is weird. No, neither did we, but I'm not a big, no, neither, I'm not, neither did like I'll do DraftKings and stuff like that. But like, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not big into blackjack or anything like that. So I, I was like, all right. And slot machines yeah. seem like just a, my brain's like, this is low probability. I don't want to get into this. Yeah, correct. Yeah. But it's like, that's the thing. I need to watch that again. Now, if, if we had games like that more common than not, which would take us back to the late eighties, early nineties style of things, then I think the sport's in a good spot because the goalies are so athletic. Now you are going to see spectacular saves. You are going to see ridiculous efforts in that. It's not going to reduce the value of a goalie. Um, it, it would probably lend itself to goalies that are a little bit more like Marc-Andre Fleury rather than Martin Brodeur because you can't rely on angles to save cross-ice passes shots. Mm-hmm. You need to rely on athletic ability just to get from your left to your right, just to have a half a hope of making the save. So to me, that would be more fun to watch because you might get a guy that's got a half open net that shoots the puck and you're thinking, crap, it's in. And the next minute, you know, somebody's made a stupid stick save and you just go, well, that's a little unfair. But that's why you watch the sport, to see those sorts of things. So yes, an ability to open the sport up going into this TV deal would be absolutely fabulous. And we all know it would go back to old school crap in the playoffs anyway. So if that's what you want to watch, we know that's what's going to happen. So you get the best of both worlds. Mm. Not that I want it that way, but you know, for those traditional guys that are like, Oh, this is too soft and all that kind of garbage. It's like, you're going to get that in the playoffs anyway. Yep. So, um, I think we've gone over. <laughs> Which is fine. Yeah, I, I think you're I don't probably think right. people care that much. Um, but we, 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 I think we've done a lot of content, and um, I appreciate the um, listener questions especially. I don't always do a good job um, of acquiring them prior to the podcast, and I wish I did a better job most times. So hopefully moving forward I'll do a better job with that, and... I, I, we, we get good ones and, um, you know, hopefully we get more. Uh, so ESPN overall good penguins overall good tick. listener questions overall tick. good. Boom. Tick, tick. So I think, uh, I think that'll be it for the old podcast. And we, as always appreciate you tuning in and we will see you for the next one. See you guys.